You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. to read along with me. Romans 8 is where I'm going. We've already done a little bit of Romans 8. We're getting towards the end of Romans 8 here. And Romans 1 through 8 is like the most important part of Romans. And we just like Romans 1 through 8 is an entire book that N.T. Wright has written. And then there's a second book for the rest of it. So we've gone through a lot of hefty stuff over the last uh, a uh, few months here, and this is like one of the peaks of Romans. We've talked about how we are new creation. We've talked about how we are becoming, uh, the seeds of resurrection are already in us, that we are becoming something new, that we are becoming something glorious. We've talked about the coming resurrection. We've talked about Jesus as king over that resurrection. We've talked about what it means for our lives to be subjected to King Jesus as we live right now and bring heaven to earth. We've talked about a lot of beautiful stuff. And Romans 8 is like the picture of all that is coming. And I'm going to start in Romans 8, 18. So listen to these words. This, this is great stuff. This is powerful stuff. I love this. So Paul ended this point in Romans talking about suffering. Why does suffering not make a big deal to him? It's because of resurrection that's coming. Anything that we deal with now means nothing in comparison of that which is to come. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. You hear that? The glory revealed in us. Glory is almost, it's hard to define in the Bible, but a lot of times when you see it, it's like almost a substance of, of God, of spiritual beings, of, of Jesus. And, and here, you, you have Paul picturing that we're brought into the glory of Jesus and there perhaps carry like our own sort of glory imparted to us. What does Paul say elsewhere? We've sang it at 1208 a bunch of times. We go from glory to glory to glory. There's a glory of the human just being human. And there's a glory of the saved human, the Christian, who's going to walk into a greater glory that is to come. Sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Something better is coming. For creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. It's bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But we hope. 
for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. When Paul uses the word hope, he's not just saying, I really hope resurrection is real. He's saying this is the hope that is before us. We know it's already there. It's the carrot dangling for us to set our eyes on and focus our life on, on what it looks like to live into that now. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's that word again, groaning. It's just coming up over and over in this passage. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with his groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You're the saints. That word there in Greek, again, it's hagios. The literal translation is holy ones. In the Old Testament, holy ones are spiritual beings in God's divine counsel. Paul just called you that. In the Old Testament, sons of God are spiritual beings in God's divine counsel. Paul just called you that as well. You are the sons of God, the daughters of God, the holy ones, the saints. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his good purpose. That good might come in this life now, as God takes even your suffering and works it together for good. But even if you don't find that now, you will for sure find it later. For all things work together for good in the resurrection. For those who before knew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those who he called, he also justified. Those who he justified, he also glorified. You are justified. We've talked about that in Romans. You have been made just. And the court system of the end times, as you come before God's throne, he sees you in his son, Jesus, who has made you just in that moment. So as justice is ruled, you will be found on the inside of resurrection. But now Paul takes it a step forward. What is beyond justification? What is beyond being a righteous person? What is beyond getting through the courtroom of heaven at the end of time? It's glorification. It's the resurrected body. It's the son and daughter of God. It's the holy ones. It's you. God's divine human family entering into this new state of, of being in this immortal place of the new heavens and new earth. And this has always bothered me that I learned so much of this in the last few years. Guys, I have been a Christian my whole life, which Casey told me that can't be true the other day. So maybe not my whole life. I guess I didn't know about Jesus in the womb or something. But I can at least say I have gone to church nearly every week of my entire life. Is that safe, Casey? All right. Okay, thank you. How did I get to be 13? Are we on an odd year? 33. Yes? How did we get how did I get to be 33 and start to learn that heaven is on earth? 
as the new creation. I spent most of my life with a truncated gospel that I did not understand and can't comprehend the hope that is before me. The hope that was put before me by the church for three decades was, Jamin, one day you will die and go to a place you can't understand and can't comprehend. You'll wear a body that makes no sense and walk on streets of gold. Have fun. Also, it'll be a worship service for like three trillion years. I hope you enjoy it. Ah! <laughs> so do I, because I don't know what kind of hope is set before me. <laughs> that, that sounds completely uncomprehendable. But the resurrection life that Paul just That the world that you now know right now, you'll come back to it, though also different at the same time. That the culture in which you live might have some kind of resemblance of what you know, but also Jesus said that it's nothing like the way in which we live now. Everything that is before us is this beautiful, wonderful resurrection life that you already know a little bit of right now because you live on this planet in a body. And the Bible preaches that you get to do that again in a glorified state, in a much better state, in a perfect state. Nobody told me for 30 years what the end of my story was. And if you're tired of living a Christian life that doesn't have an ending, I'm telling you right now, because the ending makes a big difference as to where you're going. How you live right now is based on the hope that you set before you. And you can look at what the church has done when it's turned the hope into a disembodied state somewhere up in the skies. The earth doesn't matter. It's all going to blow up anyways. Forget about it. Pollution, eh, big deal. What's going to happen to animals? It's like nothing matters in the current state of life except saving souls. When your setting is that I'm just going to go on to a disembodied existence that I can't comprehend. But if resurrection is this place that we all know in a much better and new form, then everything that you do right now matters. That's our whole mission statement at 1208. In Jackson, as it is in heaven. Why? Because Jesus painted heaven as though it's been loaded up on a moving truck. And has been sent to earth, but is only unloaded when his followers open the door and pull out the packages. God is trying to move in, not move out. Out, fly away is bad theology. It's half theology. I'll fly back is the finished portion of that. So yes, what you do with your life matters. How you live in Jackson matters. What you do to usher in the kingdom of heaven into people's lives and what you do to tell people about Jesus and bring them into the resurrection. All of that matters. Paul talks here about groaning, 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 groaning. Why is everything groaning? It's because back in the day, in the Garden of Eden, we were given a mission. All of creation was created, then God made humans, put him in his image and said, because you are in my image, you have control over the whole planet. I am gifting you with authority. 
You take care of everything that I have created. This is on you. In other words, God could have done everything himself, but that's not how he set it up. He said, you are in charge. This is your planet. The word for image is the same word as idol. In other words, if you look at a false idol, you're supposed to look at that and think of the God behind it. You are an image of God. So when people look at you as a human being, they're supposed to see the Yahweh who is behind it. Not that you are God, not that you are Yahweh. When people look at you, they should understand what God looks like based on how you live, based on what you do. That's how it was set up. Leave Eden, eventually spread out across the planet, make the whole thing look like Eden because that's where God's presence is, that's where his tabernacle is, that's where his temple is. Instead, we said, nah, God, your wisdom's pretty good. We think we're a little smarter. There was one thing you told us not to do. We're going to do that thing instead. And in doing that, we brought sin into the world, and it didn't just mess up humans, it messed up everything. When God sees what happens, he talks about all the curses that are all over the whole planet now. That thorns will grow. That tending the earth will be hard. That pregnancy will be difficult. You think it's difficult now. Women often died in ancient times giving birth. Think of how many people you know had a C-section. If they weren't able to have that kind of technology, they probably would have passed away. Everything gets messed up by sin. And Paul here talks about the groaning of creation because it's been subjected to us, made in the image of God, but not acting like the image of God. And that matters in every sphere of life. Yes, it does matter that there are chickens that don't ever get to sit down before they die. Yes, it matters that there are animals that are made to be so fat that their legs break underneath them. Things like cage-free is a gospel concept because that's the world that you were given dominion over. You can image God to the world or you can say, all I really care about is meat. All I really care about is myself. And when we live by greed, we live by the wisdom of humans instead of the wisdom of God and we corrupt everything. So yes, creation is groaning. Chickens are groaning. When you pollute the waters and a turtle has a straw stuck down its throat, an animal has a plastic thing wrapped around its neck. Creation is groaning. It wasn't supposed to be like this. This is not how humans were supposed to treat us. When animals are simply treated as food instead of creatures. Farmers who actually know the names of the things that they're going to eat versus animals thrown into a factory that are just going to be chopped up and we don't really care about anything else. That's a gospel issue. Creation is groaning. When we ravage rainforests, when out of our greed for more, we take from others, creation is groaning. When a select small amount of people carry all the wealth in the world, and they dominate other humans who are also given dominion, when Dominioners are exerting power over dominioners. Creation is groaning. 
When you buy the chocolate at the store that was harnessed somewhere from slaves overseas because nobody cares, creation is groaning. It was subjected to futility, not willingly, and it hopes for the resurrection that is coming when it knows that it will be set free. Creation is groaning. But Paul uses that word for you too as a Christian. You have the spirit inside of you and the spirit is groaning too deep for words. So a lot of times people are like, I don't know, maybe that's tongues. He just helps us pray in groanings. That's great. I think we're connected to the same theme here of resurrection. The spirit is in you and it knows that the way that life is for us right now is not the way that it's going to be. And he's groaning inside of us. Jamin, while you were at the gym the other day, that person making fun of Arabic people and saying those horrible things, groaning, spirits groaning in me, shut up. How can you say those kinds of things? Shut up. When you see injustice and you see racism on the streets and you see someone persecuted and you see a wife who's abused by her husband, the spirit groans within you. This is not the way it's supposed to be and it's not going to be the way that it is down the road and things need to change, not then when we all die and fly away, but now because heaven is coming to earth right now. Resurrection is already here, but not yet. And when we act like none of that matters, we get the kind of stagnant American Christianity that we have. Where the only thing that matters is the people in the room and all the other things. Well, earth is eventually going to hell in a handbasket, so who cares? Oh, resurrection is a new way. It's under a new king. And when you actually image him, when you actually show resurrection, the groaning sees it and gravitates towards it. That's what it's supposed to be like. Jesus said that the world would see our good works and glorify God who is in heaven. That you are a shining light on a hill. You're not stuck under a basket. You show the world what it looks like. That in in a spiritual, if we see the world from a spiritual perspective, just complete darkness, there would be little lights called Christians everywhere showing that resurrection is coming, that a glorious light is coming at the end of all these things where God comes to earth and is so bright that there's never night again. Something better is coming, and right now the world is groaning for it. They don't all know it. And a lot of that is on us, because we don't always show it. In Jackson as it is in heaven. Resurrection in Jackson now as it is in heaven. Are you groaning for that? Or is faith like a side thing? Is it just like a description on a form somewhere that you fill out? Are you groaning for something more? Not later, but also now. Because the rest of the world is. And if creation itself knows that something better is coming, then we as sentient beings can also acknowledge something better that's coming. Not that a chicken's not sentient. I was thinking of like a tree or a rock. Give me a break here. Creation knows something better is coming. And we join in that hope as well. So we're going to sing a few songs as we close out. We realize we only have 15 minutes, so we may only do one or two of them. 
115 minutes long. We may only do two of them instead of three. Um, but these songs are about that coming resurrection. So as we push into resurrection, as we declare it now, let's also sing about it now. Create a throne for God to sit on to rule over the resurrection, not just that's coming, but is already here. Uh, you take on whatever posture you like. Would you please start by a stand? This first song was a song I wrote a little bit ago. We played it here once, so it may still feel new, but this one is about the resurrection of you, about the body and life that you will put on, uh, the one that we're currently living in and the one that's coming. So as you learn it with us, sing it Look like grass on the mounts of West Virginia Towering above the interstate Stars look like specks o'er the waves of Carolina But I am but a breath to their days What am I but nothing in their gaze And what is a man that you are mindful of him Crafted from dirt, yet you call him your friend A little lower than the heavenly beings up above You put glory and honor on them And what is man that you are mindful of him That you place the whole earth in his unfaithful hands That you give them dominion to mirror your kingdom image rests upon them what is man that you're mindful of him and what am I to care of tiny particles around me they're but molecules I can't see anyway two trillion galaxies spinning through the cosmos but to you they look like ants twirling through space so who am I that you would see my face? And what is a man that you are mindful of him? Crafted from dirt, yet you call him your friend. A little lower than the heavenly beings up above you. Mindful of them That you place the whole earth In his unfaithful hands That you give them dominion To mirror your kingdom Your image rests upon them What is man that you're mindful of them Man, that they should live beyond the stars and night and with While the gods of old are sent to their demise How can flesh and bone replace the beings Who daily see God's face and join the ranks Of the great council in the skies 
How do humans soon become the ones who rise up with the sun in the new heavens and new earth with Jesus Christ? And if gods have failed to rule, then please conform us to your truth. Make us righteous, perfect beings who share your eyes. For the bodies we once knew were prone to wander, prone to do the things condemning the false gods like men to die. So make us one with you and love the spirit. Rest on us like doves and out of the grave a new creation it will rise. Beings of justice, beings of peace, pure in heart, righteous and meek, made of earth and made of heaven, all alike. Recognize or through a squint, the sons of God, the sons of men, by the faithfulness of Jesus justified. Glorious the age that is known 
God clothes the earth like the sun And if this is the age we now live How glorious the age that's to come If oceans will pass just imagine what's next When all that is finished is To the riches of love As the glory of glories begin And if that was the age we once lived How glorious this age that has come The oceans are gone Something better has gone And heaven and earth are now As God clothes the earth as the sun, our gods come to earth as the sun. It's already here, but not yet. As we stand on the precipice of death, but death too it will die and will descend from the sky. Leave this age far behind. 